0: Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of Life Point Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. Open your Bibles with me this morning. We are in Luke chapter 1. Um, I have a question for you today um, to start us off. Anybody excited about Christmas? Anybody? Nice. I am pumped. Uh, Now, I've had the privilege the last few years of being able to share at this time of year. Um, And if you don't know me, let me just tell you, I love Christmas. I love this season. I love the time of year. I like cold weather. I'm a big guy. In the summer, it's hard to keep shedding clothes. But in the winter, I'm just like, yes, yes. Yeah, Um, I love this time of year. I love the stories and the songs, the food and the smells and the, the, I love everything about Christmas, the activities, being with family, fellowshipping with the church, celebrating Jesus. This is all good stuff. And you know, even as the years go by, the anticipation continues just to get better and better. And that's what we're talking about this morning, that anticipation that expectation of what God has done, uh, if you uh, look in the Gospel account of Luke in chapter one that 's what we see is God is moving and he 's stirring the expectations of his people. This expectation that the Messiah is coming it begins with the announcement of God into uh, two of his servants' lives, Mary and Elizabeth, the announcement that they would have children. The angel of the Lord visits Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, and tells him, like, your wife, in her advanced years, is going to give birth to a son. And then he visits Elizabeth's relative, Mary, and tells her that the Holy Spirit will come upon her and she will give birth to a baby, boy. A baby who would be the son of the Most High. He would reign over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom would have no end. So we see in this first chapter of Luke that expectations are running high. Now when Zechariah first heard that he was going to have a son, he doubted. He doubted the message of the Lord. And so the angel closed his mouth. He couldn't speak. When John was born, the Holy Spirit loosed Zachariah's tongue and he could talk. And the Holy Spirit came upon Zechariah and he uttered this prophecy that we are looking at in Luke chapter 1. Now, we've been going through this, this prophecy the last few weeks. Uh, we're going to spend a few, uh, 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 our time this morning in a couple of verses. Um, but today, I want to talk about our expectations. Do you all ever consider your expectations? Total transparency here. My, my community group, when I start community group with questions like this, I usually get a look like, what is he talking about? One, obviously, but what? That's a broad question, John. Yes, okay, so let's dial it in. Let's dial it in a little bit. When you think about your expectations, what are your expectations for life? What are your expectations for the next year? What are your expectations at work or at school? For how you interact with people. Parents, what are your expectations for your children? What do you want for them? What are your expectations for the next week as we go throughout the festivities and celebrations of this time of year, of Christmas? What are your expectations for today? Do you take time to consider your expectations? And then how do those impact your life? As we uh, look at this prophecy in the book of Luke, chapter 1, let me ask you this morning, what are your expectations for God? What do you expect Him to do? As we consider our expectations for God this morning, I pray that we would see that God the Father Sent his only Son, Jesus, the Messiah, who is the source of all life, to deliver and save us so that we may know abundant life and testify to his greatness by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at our text this morning. Again, we've been going through Zechariah's prophecy the last few weeks. Uh, We will be looking at verses 76 and 77 this morning. And it says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of our sins, of their sins. Amen. Merry Christmas. Yeah. I pray that the word of the Lord this morning would be an encouragement to us, would be our strength and our hope for life today. And I understand that our, our passage this morning, is, it's a short one, just a couple of sentences. But let me encourage you in this. What God was announcing through the prophecy of Zechariah is the hope of the gospel. That's why we gather. And I pray that this hopeful declaration this morning would become our sole expectation for all of life. And that God's glory through His Son Jesus would consume us and send us out as we exalt His name. So again, we're considering expectations. And as we look to God's Word this morning, we're going to look at three expectations for God that bring life to his people. Right on. As we look back into our text, as we think about what God was doing at this time in history, uh, we're going to kind of look back, we're, we're going to work backwards through our text. So the verses this morning, "...and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people." in the forgiveness of their sins. Oh man, is that just a sweet fragrance to you this morning? The forgiveness of sins. Again, let me share. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Christmas. Huge fan. Uh, we just, I, I mean, we do it up at our house. Lights, trees everywhere, Uh, movies, songs. Uh, But one of the things that I love doing, one of the things I love uh, kicking off our fun old-fashioned family Christmas is hopping into the front-wheel drive sleigh, heading out into the winter majesty, and just looking at the lights. I love the lights on the house. I I love how people get creative with how they express their joy. Uh, And to be honest, this is one of the few times of the year I don't mind the time change. It gets darker sooner. We can get out quicker and go enjoy the lights. We load everyone up in the van. There's six of us. Sometimes we add grandparents to the mix and just the whole experience is just such a joy. Even those interesting smells from my two boys in the back, um, They, I love it. I love it. And over the years, I've noticed that these, these little LED wonders have become more and more significant to me. Because one of my favorite Christmas verses comes from John chapter 1, verse 5. It says that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Merry Christmas come on, this is good. Jesus is the light that shines most beautifully against the darkness of our sin. So I pray that even though our passage is short, we don't move too hastily past the significance of God's forgiveness of our sin through his son, Jesus Christ. We have a serious problem with darkness in our world, and in our hearts. It's in Jesus that God shows His concern for us and our sin. And this is our first expectation for God. We can fully trust and expect God to forgive sin. His word is true. God has withheld nothing of Himself in dealing with our sin. How do we know? Because He sent His Son Jesus. This was Zechariah's prophecy. God was coming into the world. God was so concerned by our sin <laughs> that His response was to give Himself fully the Word of God made flesh. And He gave Himself both to accomplish His justice against unrighteousness and His mercy for the forgiveness of our sins. Are you concerned with sin? God is concerned with sin. Or do you live in in denial of sin? Colossians 1 in Ephesians 5, uh, reveal to us that our lives are in darkness because of sin. All of the problems that we perceive and experience in this world. Uh, I'm an IT guy, and anytime there's a, a system outage or a problem at work, we've got to do a root cause analysis. What caused this? Well, the root cause of our problem is Sin. Sin has separated us from God and brought chaos, destruction, confusion to our lives. And this sin is our disobedience, not believing the word of God and ignoring him. And because of sin, our hearts have become deceived. They have become darkened. We have become deaf to God's word. We have become hostile in our minds towards the Creator. We have become inhospitable and distrustful towards others. We've become arrogant and self-righteous in our worship, thinking that we are like God. And ultimately, if we continue in sin and darkness and unbelief, we become eternally separated from God in death we miss out on his goodness this this darkness is is borne out quite obviously in the evidence that we see in our lives in the suffering and brokenness of this world we have a problem and our problem is that we are sinners we have disobeyed God all but God I love the but gods of Scripture. But God's ambition for us is to forgive us of our sins. Not to ignore them, but to forgive us. 1 Corinthians 15 says that our sin has been swallowed up in the forgiveness that can only be found in Jesus Christ. He is the light that shines in the darkness. And darkness cannot overcome it. God's desire is restoration and redemption. Our sin against God demands justice. And in Jesus Christ, God makes a way for us to receive mercy through the just one, Jesus, the Messiah. When we believe God's word, when we confess our sins, When we turn and trust Him in repentance, we can live assured and confident of God's forgiveness. It is God's forgiveness that teaches us to walk in humility when we understand that we have been offered something we did not deserve. God's forgiveness is a gift of grace. God's forgiveness of sin teaches us to walk in thanksgiving. We have been redeemed. And his justice was satisfied in his son Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God's forgiveness of sin teaches us how to walk in obedience. When we honor God, when we realize what sin has done to our lives, and we turn and trust and follow him and his word. God's forgiveness of sins allows us to walk free before him. No longer under the guilt and condemnation and burden of sin. Life in the forgiveness of God teaches us to live authentically. as who we were made to be. We no longer look to ourselves to uh, justify ourselves, to perform a certain way. We no longer fall prey to our sin to define who it is that we are and how we are to live. no. We are His possession. And our identity is found in Christ. We're consumed by Him. And it's through the forgiveness of our sins that we come to believe that there is more to expect from God in salvation. Let's look back at our text. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people. You can fully trust and expect God to save. It begs the question, let me ask you this morning, do you believe your life needs to be saved? I'm not asking if you feel like your life just needs to be made better. I feel like the stakes are way too low for that kind of question. I want us to fully understand the effect of sin on our lives. The outcome of sin is death and separation from God. Do you believe your life needs to be saved? Or do you believe that the accumulated experience and knowledge and pleasure and profit and popularity of your life is enough to overcome death. Friends, you're deceived. And in darkness, our lives need to be saved. And this is not an attempt on my part to, to burden you with the heaviness of sin. I trust God's word and his spirit to convict. But this is a plea for you to, to today to understand what is at stake here in reading God's word. We're talking about life and all that is bound up in our existence. We were created for a reason. We exist because the God of all creation breathed his breath into our nostrils and created us in his image and likeness. God loves you. One of the reasons why God sent Jesus was to demonstrate this love for you and his nearness to you and his desire to save us. Jesus came so that we are not without hope for life. Man, Merry Christmas! This is good! Every man and woman that has ever been born has all longed for deliverance and relief from the hardships of this life. Everyone, we look and we see something is wrong. And and we start to think, surely there's something better. Surely the problems and darkness of this world are not the end of all things. Surely there's hope somewhere. So we ask God, where? Where does our salvation come from? God created us to know Him as God, to be His people so that He can dwell among us. Ezekiel 18 verse 32 talks about God's willingness to save it declares his heartbreak that any would die because of our sin and our rebellion against him the heart of God is tenderness and mercy towards all of us who are oppressed and lost and in darkness because of sin our lives need to be saved and if you read and, and think about what we've been talking about the last few weeks, if you read Zechariah's prophecy, he's speaking of a salvation that is greater than our current circumstances and situations, although he does address our lives intimately. But his salvation goes deeper than our earthly situations, our time and history the rulers and principalities that are uh, over the earthly kingdoms. God's salvation pierces directly into the heart of darkness through the forgiveness of our sins. Salvation brings new life. That's what we're celebrating. New life. Christ has come. This has always been God's plan for salvation. Salvation. Now, some more personal information. You guys are getting the fire hose this morning. I'm a musician. I love music. I love listening to music. I love playing music. I love how it's created and performed and shared. My my oldest son this week got his baritone sax for the school band, and he's been honking on that thing all week, and I've loved every minute of it. I love it. And as I was reflecting on this prophecy of Zechariah, my heart was drawn to two songs in Scripture. The first is from Moses in Exodus 15. Moses knew a lot about deliverance from God. Deliverance for people. Moses knew a lot about the devastation of sin in the lives of God's people. And and this song of Moses in Exodus 15, this is considered the first song of the Bible. And it's a song that Moses and the people of Israel sing in praise of the salvation that God has brought to them. It is a song of salvation. And Moses' heart was inspired to sing this beautiful picture of God's faithfulness to his people. This is in Exodus chapter 15. His heart longs to save his people. To save you and I today. That's why I love the testimony of, of Craig and Bryn. God is still actively working all over this world to bring people into his fold. That's why I love the testimony of baptism. It's someone declaring with their lives, I no longer live for myself, but I am following Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The words of that song in in Exodus chapter 15 are refreshed. Refreshed. In the book of Luke here, just moments before, as Mary is responding to the news that Jesus is coming, she sings a song of salvation. And I find it interesting that both the first song of the Old Testament and the New Testament are songs of salvation. I love that. God has established the priority of our worship is his salvation for his people. And like we see with the prophets of old and like we see in the life of John the Baptist, the word of the Lord is true and it is worthy to be believed. God has sent his son to forgive our sins and to save our lives for his glory and for our joy. God has revealed himself to us in Jesus to show us how we were created to live. Jesus was perfect in every way. His work was to give life through his death and resurrection. We need Jesus. That longing I talked for that we all share, we need Jesus. We need Jesus to understand how God has loved us. We need Jesus to teach us how to love others. We need Jesus to show us the cost of our sins. We need Jesus to understand that it is our life that is being saved. We look at him upon the cross. We need Jesus to grant us mercy. He is the perfect offering so that those of us in darkness can be made children of light first Thessalonians tells us friends the darkness cannot overcome the light he is perfect compassion that sees our need for salvation and acts to meet that need he is perfect love that considers others above himself and humbly lays down his life for his people he is perfect obedience who submits to the will of God to serve and not be served. He is perfect tenderness who hears the cries of his people and draws near. To save. He is the perfect refuge when the winds and the waves of life are crashing all around us. He is perfect faithfulness that declares the hope of salvation for any and all who would hear and believe and repent. He is perfect justice who fulfills the law's demands on our behalf so that he may justify sinners before God and give us his righteousness. He is perfect truth who sets us free to walk according to his word. He is perfect generosity who gives without limit and in joy suffered for us even to the point of death on the cross so that we may have life. He is perfect care that tends to the broken, hurting outcasts and he seeks out those who are lost to bring them near. He is perfect wisdom that instructs in how life is to be lived. He is perfect holiness that establishes the foundations of all creation by the power of his word and glory. Amen. Merry Christmas. Christ has come. He is our perfect and only hope for salvation. And when we make this good confession with our lives and our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe God sent him to save us, our lives are now hidden in Christ. We live in the truth that darkness cannot overcome the life. We live in the sweet declaration that salvation belongs to God. And we fully expect him to save. The prophecy of Zechariah declares God's forgiveness of our sin. Declares salvation unto life. Friends, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. This prophecy was given at the birth of John the Baptist. John's life was the fulfillment of Prophecy to prepare the way of the Lord. It says, "In you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways." Let's take a lesson this morning from our dear brother John. Expectation number three: you can fully trust and expect God to send you to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. John's entire life was one of joyful expectation for the one that was coming after him, Jesus. John leapt in his mother's womb in the presence of his Savior. He proclaimed in the wilderness a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sin. He pointed people to the one whose sandal he was unworthy to tie. His whole life was given as a testimony to Jesus. We truly live in God's forgiveness and salvation, when we share the hope that we have in Jesus with the world that is desperate to know him. The joy of Christmas is that Christ has come. That is what Zechariah prophesied many, many years ago. Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, He came so that we may know his salvation. The joy of Christmas is the joy of mankind. It is our hope. As I mentioned, we all share this in common. We long for something greater in this world from life. And the world has nothing to offer us to satisfy this longing but something greater has come. The Christ that came to bring peace between God and man. We all share a need to hear this gospel message. The good news of God's salvation in Christ Jesus and the forgiveness of our sins. These are the glad tidings of great joy that we sing about. Week in and week out, but yes, at Christmas. Salvation beckons our lives to look beyond ourselves, as Jesus did, and share that our God saves. Our lives are a reflection of the one who created us. Our lives are a testimony. Testify to his goodness and his grace. Our lives were meant for him. Let's learn this lesson from John the Baptist. We are meant to point others to Jesus. The God of all creation has has loved you generously. The God who rules and reigns over all things has come low. Emmanuel, God is with us so that we can know him. The God of compassion has made a way for the forgiveness of our sins through his son, Jesus. The God who is worthy of our worship has moved heaven and earth to redeem his people, to save us. God the Father sent Jesus the Messiah who is the source of all life to save us so that we may know abundant life and testify to His greatness by the power of His Holy Spirit. Isaiah 52, 7 tells us this, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who bring good news. As we celebrate and exalt the name of Jesus, This week, each and every day, at work, at school, in our homes, with our children, as we celebrate Jesus, go, tell about him on the mountains. I told you, I love Christmas, even the cheesy stuff.